1: What's up, Bolt fam? As fans of Justin Herbert, you know we have a quarterback with a cannon for an arm. Unfortunately, for some other AFC West teams like the Broncos and the Raiders, their quarterbacks have little chicken wings for arms. Chargers fans, they don't have to worry about those chicken wings. The only chicken wings we associate with are the ones from Chicky Chicky Wings and Sports, the official sports bar of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Head there to watch the next Chargers game and use the promo code GUILTY to get 10% off your meal. Go get some bomb food and watch Asante Samuel Jr. pick off another pass. Again, that's Guilty for 10% off. Enjoy the show.
2: Hey guys, what is up? Welcome into the Guilty Charge podcast. Hopefully you are... Uh, enjoying this bye week you know, a a nice, stress-free, joyful week of of interaction on Twitter. Um, Can't wait to talk about it with my guys here today. We've got some uh, news to talk about, some roster additions, which is going to be fun. Uh, Joining me, as always, are my guys, Tyler and
1: Alex. Tyler, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing today? I was a balloon ready to pop, but then the Chargers did the right thing and just let a little bit of that air out by doing the right thing today. So I can calm down for another week. There we go. It's always good to uh, relieve some stress and pressure
2: from the balloon. Um, Alex, how are you doing today, man?
3: Yeah, it's funny because uh, they relieved some pressure and stress from that balloon. And then the whole Ben Simmons thing popped up in my Twitter feed. So there's <laughs> a lot of pressure and stress and a lot of balloons for me right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, they made the right move there. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's so weird to
2: me. like. NBA season always really just sneaks up on me. Like I know that it starts yeah. in October every single year, and then two nights ago when it started, I was like, "Wait, the Bucks are playing right now? Like, what just- is happening?" <laughs> yeah. Um. But good stuff. Of course, uh, have to start today's show by giving our guy over at the Backroom Collection, Luis, a shout out. We are doing a giveaway, uh, for one of his uh, street art pieces with Justin Herbert. Um, that is on our Twitter page. If you missed it, so please go check that out. Give him a follow, and you can use the code GAC, that's G-A-C in all caps, at thebackroomcollection.net for a 10% discount. So shout out to Luis, doing some great work over there. Um, that being said, let's get into today's show. We're going to talk about some things that we want to see changed over the bye week some potential roster additions, maybe. Um, we're going to cover it all, right? It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have to start with the addition of Andre Roberts, uh, which was uh, gracefully tweeted by Ian Rappaport yesterday. Um, and now made official today, Thursday, uh, by the Chargers in a corresponding move. They also waived K.J. Hill. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see on uh, both Tyler and Alex making references in their name today to K.J. Hill. So um, let's let's start with just Andre Robertson, and then we'll talk about kind of the other ramifications of the signing. Um, but, Alex, what did you make of bringing in Andre Roberts to uh, hopefully shore up some special teams?
3: Yeah. I mean, I really just feel like they needed another guy and I felt like for the longest time they were trying to resist it because they were like, all right, well, you know, KJ Hill's not really working, but we'll keep trying him. And then maybe we'll mix Larry Roundtree and Adderley and like everybody else in there, a kick returner. But it's like, no, you need somebody who can give you more than 16 yards per return that all the other guys were giving uh, in terms of average. So I think having Andre Roberts there is necessary. Um, and just making that change is necessary. Now, personally, I believe there are other special teams changes that needed to be made. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with Viscano as the weeks go on. Uh, but in addition to Andre Roberts, also something that needs to be better is special teams coverage, special teams blocking, because, you know, it, Andre Roberts might not make a difference if he's getting killed in the backfield by that flocking. Uh, and the Chargers may still start on the 18 yard line or whatever. Um, but I am generally positive on the signing. He gives you more speed than KJ Hill has uh, and just seems like a more capable fielder of all things, right? Because the thing about KJ Hill was, well, he's going to catch the ball and that's his thing, but Andre Roberts does that too and he also probably won't field the ball at the two-yard line when he should let it bounce into the end zone. Um, So I think the intelligence quotient uh, in terms of the return game is probably going to go up as well. Um, I'm just happy they made a move. It was necessary to change the personnel here, that there was no on roster solution that was going to work. It just had to be, you know, a clean tear. Mm-hmm. And as far as KJ Hill, um, I think, you know, doing a post mortem on him was weird because he was the steel of the draft when it happened. Uh, yeah. and now is the, you know, steel of the waiver wire. Uh, if somebody wants to try to pick him up and rehabilitate <laughs> him, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just it's weird that it played out this way because watching it in the preseason and watching it, you guys were at training camp pretty much all the way through. It was, well, Austin Prohl's kind of better than him at this. And then Austin Prohl got injured slash cut and it was just KJ Hill. Um, and we just kind of kept going with him, even though we all had our doubts and reservations. Um, and so I don't know what the coaching staffs thought it was and why Andre Roberts wasn't done You know, sooner. I mean, I know he just got cut, but you could have gotten a player similar to him um, at some point in the preseason as well. But um, just a really confusing path to how we got here, but I'm happy we're here. I'm happy as well.
1: There was no way that this was going to work out based on how the preseason and training camp looked. And the fact that they just gave him the job pretty much unobstructed, other than a little bit of training camp work with Austin Prohl. Really, just odd to see them give him the job. So, finally being able to move on, go to Roberts and get, I don't know, three extra yards of return, four extra yards of return. That's great. That's great for the offense, great for the team. Special teams, DVOA will go up. And I'm sure Darius Winston will be happy to have a guy that is actually running fast back there rather than slower. Yeah. The whole situation has been very, very odd. But as far as the blocking goes, like this season has been his worst season as a kick returner and punt returner in terms of average. Now, he was with the Texans. Really, nothing goes right over there, especially this year. So, of course, if he has a low year, it's probably because of the blocking. But are they is he walking to any better blocking over here? I don't know. Watching the Ravens game, Jalen Guyton had those two returns. One, he got to 30-something yards, but it was called back because of a penalty. And another one, he got smashed to 15 because Ryan Smith just let a guy go right by him and smash right into Guyton. So yeah, is it going to be better because of Roberts? Probably. But how much better? Also depends on the blocking. But hopefully. You know, again, bye week change up some personnel, they get some things situated. Uh, But either way, this is nothing but a positive move. How positive? I don't know. But it is at least a little bit positive.
2: I think it's definitely a a net positive for this team. And, you know, it's unfortunate that it took such a bad start to the season for special teams to get to this point. But, you know, Andre Robertson has made a career out of being a return specialist. He's never really stuck anywhere. because He doesn't really offer a ton as a receiver. But, you know, the Chargers posted in there thing today that he leads the NFL in return yards over the last five years by, like, a wide margin. Mm-hmm. So he is a return specialist. This is what he does. And, you know, Alex mentioned, you know, he's just got a better – he'll have a better feel for it than what the Chargers were doing with Larry Roundtree, a rookie, K.J. Hill, who's not really played a ton. So that experience of it is going to help. And then he is a much more explosive athlete. You know, he's had a few – kicks for touchdowns he's had even this year he's had you know i think a long of like 38 for a kickoff return if i'm not mistaken Hmm. um so the explosiveness goes up and you know we can talk about the blocking probably not being better but at least now they have someone with legitimate speed someone with legitimate juice and you can tweak some blocking things and make it better um so overall i think this is a net positive um the the long-term ramifications of this right are that this team had all off season to figure out what they wanted to do with the punt returner and kick returner situations, and they didn't do it. You mm-hmm. know they could have they could have signed Andre Roberts. You know six months ago they they mm-hmm. could have signed so many other people. <clears throat> excuse me, drafted a receiver. You know like a uh, Amir Smith Marset or uh, Marquez Stevenson, somebody like that who has you know that capability, but they didn't do it. They essentially handed it to KJ Hill and Larry Roundtree the two slowest players, the two slowest skill players on the team. Like Donald uh, Parham runs a faster 40 than Larry Roundtree. Like it just is. Has he really? I, th- I think Parm runs a 4.6. It wouldn't surprise me. So, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so it just is, you know, this staff I think is, is, you know, a far cry from what we experienced last year in terms of just intelligence and preparation. But this is a, a bit of a black sheep situation for them. You know, this Mm -hmm. was a situation that was very mishandled and it got to a very poor situation. And yes, KJ Hill is not, you know, the best returner, but you know, I still believe that he could be a a valuable player down the road and now they have to cut him because they didn't find a better solution for the return for just the returner. It's just, it's a, you know, a black mark on a resume that really shouldn't be there right now. Um, but I am happy, obviously, that Andre Roberts is here. It just It's unfortunate that it took this long for them to be like, oh, we have to make a planet returner.
1: Okay, let's do it six weeks into the season. It really it speaks and- to everything that they've been confused about all year, where it's like everything we've seen. Oh, let's have two part returners. Let's have Roundtree. Let's have Hill. Let's have Adderley. Let's have anybody. And I get like that some guys that maybe you wanted out there either weren't healthy or now they're starting. It's so, like you maybe would have wanted Adderley. But how he's starting or hurt. Maybe you wanted Jackson out there, but he's always been hurt. So maybe there were other other plans that they had. But whatever they feel, it was awful. And like you said, they had plenty of time to fix it. They could have signed Cordero Patterson, which I will say for the rest of the year, because that's an easy connection and an easy decision. They didn't do it. And now I'm sure he has you know 40 times the yards of all three of the backup running backs. So I don't know. It, they had every opportunity to change it. I'm glad that they did but I don't like that it's taken them so long to make many changes and I have to admit to so many mistakes even six weeks into the season.
3: Cleo um, Herbert! Anyway, Um. no, but yeah, I think that when you generally look at all this stuff, like when they, yeah, just the whole process of going through the year with this stuff was bizarre and it gives me a little pause going forward in terms of how they do these moves because like I was saying mm-hmm. um, in a chat earlier, like, I, I, I don't know how much confidence I have in them to, like, fix special teams at this point, like, going forward, because this was sort of the time to do it. Now, part of the problem is they have leftover guys that, frankly, weren't being used well, uh, or guys that just can't play special teams but they've also made confounding decisions on like which guys they're playing because all we heard about Larry mm-hmm. Roundtree was special teams value. Uh, and he was benched uh, last week for a guy who has no special teams value in Joshua <laughs> Kelly. So like stuff like that is like, okay, but what are we Good doing point. from a week to week basis when it comes to like special teams and special teams value? Um, so I, I don't know. Like I, I think going forward, it could definitely be better once Daly fully gets his guys in there um, but the selections for what his guys have been haven't been great so far. I mean, this Kaino is certainly somebody that's going to be mentioned if he doesn't improve. But I mean, they took KJ Hill over prol. They, um, you know, you look at Roundtree, who's now probably going to be a healthy scratch going forward. I, I don't know what the plan is with that. Um, so, you know, you look at those sort of instances on the roster, and um, it's just a little bit perplexing all the way around. Uh, when it comes to special teams and, and how this was situated. So I hope to get more clarity on it going forward. I'm happy Andre Roberts uh, is there. I mean, he's 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 a hell of a band-aid to have, like, on this situation, the fact that he just became available. Uh, so yeah. I'm happy he's here, but also, like, special teams is not fixed. Like, there's a lot of other things that they have to do, like blocking, uh, you know, coverage, kicking. Like, there's a lot of other things that need to be fixed, but this is a start.
2: Yeah, so I I totally agree there. I think Roberts will help and it'll help to have somebody that's manning both positions, right? Like, this is the plan moving forward. True. Uh, As far as we can tell, is to have him do kickoffs and punts. Um, So, net positive for sure. But, like Alex said, they do have some other issues. And, you know, this is an area where hopefully getting Drew Tranquil back healthy, getting Kenneth Murray back healthy, you know, will allow guys like Nick Demon and Aiman Ogbong Mamiga to be playing special teams as opposed to Cole Christian Jansen. So hopefully the, the Chargers, just by getting healthier over the bye week, will will improve in that regard. But like I said, now they have somebody who can at least, you know, overcompensate for the lack of blocking. Whereas Larry Roundtree, Jalen Guyton is fast, but not really elusive. Now they have someone that could actually make someone miss in space <laughs> returning kicks, no which, would be, which would be nice to watch.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think the Chargers are one of only four teams where they're along as a kickoff return is under twenty five yards. So getting past oh <laughs> so getting past that or just, you know, catching it in the end zone and kneeling would be great for this franchise. <laughs>
2: literally the bar is so low right now for special it is. teams like if andre roberts scores a special teams touchdown like build a statue for him you know <laughs> retire his jersey put him in the ring yeah. of honor like
3: <laughs> retire, retire retire andre roberts jersey before we retire rivers and gates i would do it if he scored a special teams touchdown <laughs>
2: Set him to an extension on the spot if that happens <laughs> oh my god Oh, my gosh. All right, guys. Any other final thoughts here on uh, the special teams argument?
1: No. Although I'm I'm curious what they do with maybe, K, well, obviously, KJ Hill. Do they return, return him to the practice squad? Yeah. Hopefully, they don't cut Jason Moore because of that. Hopefully, they don't cut Austin Pearl because of that. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what they would decide to do after he clears waivers, which I assume he'll clear waivers unless he goes to the Raiders. the las vegas Uh, former chargers
3: yeah i'll just say one final rest in peace to kj hill special teams value september 13th to october 21st 2021
2: yeah so uh just wanted to talk really quickly about kind of the receiver room in general because i got a couple questions on twitter about this are you guys concerned about the long-term future of this receiving room given the fact that KJ Hill is no longer on the team. Tyron Johnson is no longer on the team. Jalen Guyton's a free agent. Mike Williams, is a free agent. Joe Reed can't get on the field. Uh, And so you have next year only Keenan Allen and Josh Palmer under contract. So Tyler, what do you make of the long-term future of the receiving position at this point for the Chargers?
1: Well, I'm sure Alex would have said something similar, but I would have felt a lot better had Tyron Johnson still been on the team, but he's no longer on the team. Right. Uh, I mean, as far as the outlook goes, It's not fortunate. Okay. Fortunately, they have plenty of money and they have plenty of draft picks next year. So they could really acquire some good players through the draft, through free agency. I'm not a fan of free agent wide receivers, but they could retain Mike Williams uh, through free agency next year. So I do like their immediate core. But after that, it's, it's really tough to be optimistic about the group, especially because I'm not really a fan of their evaluation of the back end wide receivers so far. You know, of all the things they could have picked, it ended up being K.J. Hill. That's the guy you went with, and now you've cut him. So no Johnson, no real shot at looking at what Prol is. Um, The whole Joe Reed experiment completely failed. Now, is that his fault? I don't know. seems kind of a combination of opportunity, injuries, maybe the coaching staff. So right now, I feel good about, obviously, the, the starting trio, and I'm going to assume that Mike Williams returns next year. But after that, I'm getting a little bit worried because there's just no... There's nothing dynamic after that. But you, again, you could change that very quickly with a couple of draft picks. We saw this past year how many receivers there were, rounds two, three, four, five, six, whatever, that they could have taken, even just for some pure speed. Take a Jalen Darden type, take an Anthony Schwartz type, whatever. And so I think they can do that again next year. I don't know how the class looks, but I'm sure there's a couple of guys they could take. So as long as they take a receiver after the second round, I think next year, I think they'll be okay.
3: Yeah, I, I think it's not as I complain about Tyron Johnson, uh, which is very me. Uh, I, I think that they're <laughs> set up fine going forward. I mean, they have Keenan Allen, they have Mike Williams. The real X factor in terms of whether they're set up well or not, I think is uh, Josh Palmer and what he turns into yeah. one way or the other. If he's going to be an impact player next year, or is he still kind of a few years away? Um, that's really what is to be determined because right now, uh, I feel okay in the short term with what they have. Um, Guyton is is fine for what he is. The real problem is they're dropping balls right now, which they, they shouldn't be. So, yeah. you know, you hope the, those uh, drop rates over 10% do decrease over the course of the season. Um, otherwise, I'm not quite sure what you do with that data and information heading into next year, because um, that would be concerning. But... I, I am relatively positive on what the future is. I do think they do need some speed uh, more so than anything um, when we talk about that. And when you talk about guys like Anthony Schwartz, potentially like in the draft, I I think that that can be important because Jalen Guyton is also a restricted free agent, I believe next year. Um, So, you know, who knows if someone's just going to see four, three speed and offer him something. Um, right. I, I wouldn't be shocked about that. Mike Williams is also a free agent. As we talked about, I do think he'll be back, but even if you're in a situation where you move on from Jalen Guyton, it's like, well, kind of need to replace him with some sort of speed guy. And you also need probably another speed guy after that, because to be honest, we were down pretty bad, uh, in a and a where we talked about trading for John Ross. Um, <laughs> that's where we were at a couple weeks ago. So to be honest, I think that yeah. there are questions to be answered. Uh, in terms of like the athleticism and speed of some of these guys that maybe they'll bring in in the draft or free agency next year, but I mean it's it's hard to go wrong if you have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Josh Palmer at least uh, as kind of a base yeah. wide receiver one through three. Uh, if Mike Williams walks and someone offers him a lot of money, then that gets concerning. Yeah, I'm on the same page, and I think at this point we're all expecting Mike Williams
2: to get you know, return to this team in free agency, you know, mm-hmm. it kind of depends on what else is out there, but the way that he is being used and talked about, I can't imagine that this team is going to be very keen on letting him walk. So to me, like the interesting one is, is Jalen Guy. And like Alex was saying, like, what does become of him? He's not being used as much as he was last year, as strange as that is to say. Um, but, you know, he is, you know, four, three, he's got some good, you know, explosive plays on tape. So if you're talking to me about, you know, <clears throat> Excuse me, goodness, I'm battling a little cold today, but um, you bring the same five back that you currently have, which is you know Jalen Guyton, Mike Williams' return. Andre Roberts kind of returns as that you know six-receiver special teams guy, and then you essentially draft his replacement next year, You know, kind of that yards-after-catch vertical threat return mm-hmm. specialist. That, to me, it should be the plan going forward. Again, kind of depends on what Jalen Guyton gets in free agency offer-wise, but if you're talking to me about bringing this current five back Adding one, you know, speedy threat in like the fourth or fifth round, which you know, I haven't looked at this class either. There's going to be like 30 receivers taken next year, that's how it works. <laughs> um, so they they will have options, right? I'm not super interested in like adding other free agents, but I think you bring this current five back, which is a reasonable expectation. Um, barring a you know bigger offer for Jalen Guyton, but given his lack of production, I can't really see that happening. Um, then Andre Roberts will be cheap unless he's. Returning to like four or five kicks for touchdowns, which Lots of statues. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm okay. Like, I, I think the Chargers will be able to manage this. And, you know, like Alex is saying, and Tyler saying, as long as you have Keenan, Mike and Josh Palmer, you know, I'm pretty confident that they'll be able to fill out the rest in the draft or free agency.
3: Yeah. I mean, I feel pretty good about that. And I would also just say it, it's also a roster construction problem as far as it was this year. Cause I was always perplexed by the fact that they kept five and they, did that because they were keeping four running backs and four tight ends. Um, and the running yes. back situation is perplexing because now they have Kelly at Roundtree who they're like alternating <laughs> healthy scratch weeks with. Um, and i kind of rather have a six receiver, whether that's Tyron, whether that was Tyron Johnson or somebody else, like I'd rather have a guy there than just have this one healthy scratch every week um at the running back position when they really only needed three anyway. Um, so I don't know. I I think that's also going to be a question going forward is how they set up the roster next year with the personnel they have. Because you can talk about bringing in a six receiver, but kind of doesn't matter if they're only going to keep five or really only keep four receivers plus one special teams guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: yep. I'd love to see Jason Moore get a little bit of run. I don't know how he would do that, barring injuries to somebody, Um, but I would like to see him get a little bit of run so you can kind of answer that question. They've been protecting him every single week. So there's something there to them. But unfortunately, he's just an emergency guy right now. But when Williams was hurt against the Ravens, they basically, it didn't look like they had other options to go to. And granted, they do. They have Palmer, they have Allen. But it looked like they just didn't have other options to go to. There was something missing there. They definitely have to add some sort of dynamic there because it's currently missing when you lose someone like Mike Williams or if he's injured.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good segue. I wanted to talk just about some takeaways from the Ravens loss, since we've had a little bit of time to, to simmer mm-hmm. on this, um, you know, and I'll kind of start this one off. I think, you know, I did do a film breakdown, which by the time this is coming out, will be live. And, you know, it just sometimes the other team gets a better of you. And unfortunately, the Ravens did a great job of disguising their blitzes and, you know, forcing the Chargers offensive line and Justin Herbert into guessing games. And they really got after Justin Herbert. They made him guess, and he mm-hmm. guessed wrong quite a bit in terms of protections. And as a result, it was just off. I I felt like watching the film back that after that Mike Williams miss on that deep post, the offense was just off from then on out because that first drive, it looked pretty positive. Like they got to the midfield mm-hmm. in you know pretty easily. They had a couple good first down plays. Couple, yeah, one third down conversion. And then they threw that deep post on the first down and they just couldn't recover after the the miss, after Herbert kind of sailed, the ball sailed on him. But the offense was just off all day. There was yeah. some confusing personnel decisions, confusing uh, play calls, confusing decisions by Justin Herbert. There was one third down where he looks right at Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen is open. And instead he goes to Josh Palmer and the ball sails on him. Marlon Humphrey gets a, a pass breakup and they have to punt. So it was, did not really provide the kind of clarity I was hoping for when watching the film. Um, but it was just a, a puzzling day from Justin Herbert and the offense for sure.
3: Yeah, I think a lot of people were debating like, what was it the right throw to go to Josh Palmer in that situation? And it's like the problem wasn't going to Josh Palmer, the problem was going to Josh Palmer with Marlon Humphrey on him. <laughs> like yeah. that was sort of the real issue there, um, more so than anything else. Um, I, I think that. It, to me, it was just sort of an off day for Herbert. And we've seen him sort of be, you know, schemed out that way a little bit by defenses before it reminded me a little bit of the Miami game from last year. Um, I, I don't think Baltimore secondary talent is quite what Miami's was last year when they you know, had uh, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones and all those guys. I, I think that really threw Herbert for a loop, given how the Miami defense was playing last year. But Uh, Baltimore played well enough and they got enough pressure. And then, you know, when you have guys like Marlon Humphrey and others in the secondary, um, then it's kind of enough to stop it, especially if Herbert is missing some of those middle-of-the-field throws where, hey, Keenan Allen's open and doesn't find him, right? Because they really could have abused the Ravens, I think, in that first half uh, in the middle of the field when Averett and guys like that were on Allen and others. Um, But they didn't. And then the Ravens adjusted to that at halftime. And then suddenly, you know, the Chargers offense was just thrown into the ringer uh, in the second half in particular. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I I think that it was just a bad day at the office for Herbert. Uh, I don't chalk it up to much more than that, although I will say larger scheme takeaway is I think that their aggressiveness when it doesn't work out they sort of start to do like the screen stuff um, and some of the other like hits from Joe Lombardi, uh, unfortunately, you know, not that I'm blaming him really for like the poor effort because it was a lot of things. Um, but I, I didn't think it was the best performance from him from a play calling perspective that I had seen this year, um, at least in comparison to the Raiders, the Browns um, and chiefs games. So, you know, we'll see what it is going forward. But I'm not that concerned about Justin Herbert, more so just guys getting on the same page, I think. And the bye week is the perfect time to do that.
1: Yeah, as far as the going to Palmer versus Allen thing, I could be wrong. And this is very different because I feel like they usually do two slants for this. But it seems like the inside guy, or at least Herbert's being taught, that the inside guy seems to be the clear out guy. And so we saw that with Guyton and Allen helping out Allen. We saw Allen do that for Williams against the Chiefs, I believe, and Williams got open on a slant. And so for that one, I think that they kind of just thought, now why are you making Keenan Allen just your clear-out guy to throw it to, to Palmer against Humphrey? That's a different thing. I, I think Herbert's potentially being coached to go to the outside guy so the clear-out sure. guy can take out everything over the middle. And I believe Allen was sort of double-team or bracketed on that one. So it kind of makes sense, but eh. I would love to see them get away from relying heavily on these passes, that are at or behind the line of scrimmage, especially against the Ravens. My God, they could not stop yeah. trying to get the ball out quickly, which I, I get against this defense. But they also don't really have the personnel for that. They don't have like a Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddell or, I mean, shit, even like a physical DK Metcalf monster kind of type. And the defenses at this point just aren't falling for it. We saw it a little bit against yeah. the Dallas Cowboys when they tried to have the, the running back motion and then after the flat, and they kept smashing their running back with, you know, one yard gain, one yard loss, no gain. I believe Larry Roundtree's only catch was on a play just like that smash for negative one yards because defenses just aren't falling for that right now. Um, they, they tried a million screens versus Baltimore and that didn't work. So I'd love, I'd love to see them try to take this group and win somewhere middle of the field rather than just those perimeter plays with the hopes of guards after the catch. I just don't think that raw, this roster is really built for that. And against someone like a Marlon Humphrey against someone like a Patrick queen, stop letting this, this aggressive defense play downhill, try to get them on their heels and go over their heads a little bit um, instead of just letting them sit there and then go. There were plays where there were two receivers. They would motion Keenan Allen one way, so there's two receivers left. They'd throw a wide receiver screen to Mike Williams, and there were three Ravens defenders just standing there like this, and then they would tackle (laughs) Williams for a one-yard gain. It's like, come on, man. These defenses just aren't falling for it anymore. There's a place for these plays, absolutely. Um, I like the idea of if the defender's playing way off, like against the Cowboys, throw it to Williams, let him get those yards after the catch like he did for that touchdown. I like that, but... I don't know. Some of it, I want to see them run these plays that aren't designed to go, and it really felt like this against the Ravens. I talked to you, Steven, about this. It really felt like most of their plays were designed to go to one player, or that play was busted. Some plays were like, okay, yeah. you know, let, let's play action, you know, ball to Anderson in the flat, and let's hope it works. But the defenses get paid too, and they watch film, so you got to change it up a little bit. And it's at it's at the point where I can say, you know, after guidance motions, there is almost every single time a tight end, a inline receiver, whatever running the route behind the line of scrimmage out to the flat. Herbert right. rolls out and hits him. It probably happens at like 15 times this season. And at some point you have to change it up because if I can pick that up, watching your defense or your offense once the defense know it's coming. And unfortunately they don't really have the guys to make it work. So I'd love to see them change those perimeter stuff that behind the line of scrimmage stuff. I like the quick game, maybe like a slant, like Williams doing the slant, getting a couple of yards. That's fine. But the, the behind the line at the line, it's just not working. Defenses don't care anymore. There's some very, very talented defenses like the Ravens. They're not going to fall for it. And they're going to make the tackle every single time because they're that well coached.
2: Yeah, I think the the offense in particular, you know, as we're shifting towards like things we want to see them change in the bye week, it, it's feels like they're trying to be a little too training wheely with Justin Herbert or yes, go bail us out and make us a fucking dart throw on third and long like 100 correct so to me like we need a little bit more balance of like working in the middle of the field and like the raider game is the perfect example like if we mm-hmm. can kind of balance out you know the tight end usage over the middle and keenan allen over the middle and the perimeter throws you know just the godly corner throws or deep <laughs> out throws that we're seeing from justin herbert in previous weeks that's kind of where the Chargers' offense needs to live, in my opinion. You know, Carter Donick uh, at the at the Draft Network posted this graphic of um, the percentage of throws of quarterbacks over the middle, and mm-hmm. you know there there's a debate on Twitter of like what's harder and what's better for your offense of like working the middle of the field, working the sidelines, but there mm-hmm. needs to be a balance. And right now, Justin Herbert is in the bottom third of the league in percentage of throws over the middle of the field, and. <clears throat> So that to me is an adjustment that I would like to see them make. Make life easier for Justin Herbert, yes. But that doesn't mean you run a lot of screens. That doesn't mean you run like all these, you know, stick routes. To me, you've yeah. got to spread the ball out more across the field and be a little bit more balanced in the direction of throws that you're making. So I'm all for running screens to Austin Eckler. I think that is a very valuable asset yes. of his, but we need a little bit more variety at this point. And I understand like you're installing a new offense. It's taking some time. You know, we heard, we heard from Jeff Duncan that a lot of the Satan's offense took like a year or so to get, you know, really built, but you have a bye week now, like you need to start scheming some things open because the Ravens noticed something. The Ravens noticed that you work the flats, you work the sidelines and Mm -hmm. they went, you know, they were hell bent on taking those situations away And we all know that Bill Belichick is going to sit there and watch film on Monday and make the exact same adjustments and make the exact same game plan. And he probably has better personnel than the Ravens do right now. So be a little bit more diverse and push the ball more towards the middle of the field. Use Jared Cook, Donald Parham, your big guys over the middle. I think that will help Justin Herbert really be more efficient um, than he has been
3: over the last few weeks. Bill Belichick is also looking at their run defense, and uh, he, he he's getting some memories of that 2018 playoff game, thinking about that, uh, and also yeah. seeing a secondary in chaos. Mm, he he's he's having some thoughts. Yeah. So one of the
2: things that I thought was interesting too, we talked a little bit about Julie Bosa playing the four I or you know defensive end, mm. defensive tackle hybrid spot in this one. Obviously, Justin Jones. Uh, could be coming back soon hopefully for the Patriots game but uh, Joey Bosa played on the interior of the defensive line 23 times against the Ravens 23 snaps on the four eye spot which mm-hmm. he had only done 3 times in the previous 5 games wow. so it was a, a drastic change for Joey Bosa and I'm curious what you guys kind of make of that whether you think that is kind of you know uh, them acknowledging the lack of talent which they they're doing with the return spot or maybe they're trying to get Joey Bosa a little bit more active in the run game. Alex, we'll start with you. What do you make of the uh, frequency and volume in which Joey Bosa was playing on the inside?
0: Um, well,
3: I think it's sort of what they ultimately wanted to do from the beginning of the season is like move him around and just like, see where you can get on the defensive line. Um, the problem with their strategy is that their supplementary pass rushers are garbage. <laughs> like, that's the problem is like, yeah, because they went into this with like, Hey, Joey is our Aaron Donald, you know, he's going to take, you know, double coverage, triple coverage. And then some guy's going to get after the quarterback. That's not Joey Bosa. Um, and unfortunately that's not what's happening um, because Jerry Tillery is getting clogged up. And while Joseph, you know, had the sack, has some pressures, but like, you know, hasn't what he's supposed to do is sort of be more of the run game anyway. So like I, he, I don't think you can really rely on him to get consistently after the pass rush or get consistently after the passer, um, and you know other than that it's like Uchenna and Wosu and Kyler Fackrell guys who you know don't don't really present the defense the same challenge that like say like prime Melvin Ingram did right like opposite Joey Bosa yeah. right like yeah. so that's that's an issue um, so what they're sort of living and dying by with Joey Bosa at this point is, all right, well, he's going to get double or triple covered. He'll either overcome it, get a pressure or a sack or something, right? Or uh, we're just kind of going to hope one guy has a breakout game that's not Joey Bosa from week to week. And I think that's just proven not to be super sustainable. Um, To me, it's more of a personnel issue. Um, then it is really like a scheme issue because the scheme in theory works. Like it is, Hey, you know, somebody go get that sack or go get that pressure because it should be open. But um, like they just don't have the interior defensive line and edge opposite Bosa right now that can be relied on consistently from week to week. Um Uchenna and Wosu will have a game here or there. Other guys will have a game here or there, but to me, the the reason Joey Bosa needs to do so much, whether it's on the interior, really everywhere on the defensive line, is just because of how they're set up right now, and they're really set up poorly aside from him.
1: It's definitely a combination of things. Obviously, you want to move Bosa around. You want to different, you know, personal packages. That's fine. The best game they had, at least recently, in terms of pressuring the quarterback, I think, was when they had Drew Tranquil rushing in the middle yeah. against Derek Carr. And that worked really well. So potentially they want someone also in the middle because they have no Drew Tranquil trying to get pressure from there. And they'd they like to get pressure on the quarterback from that spot. And so that's why they moved him. Um, another reason they could also just want to put their best guys on the field. I think if you were guessing between, if you're picking between, you know, Bosa at edge and Gaziano uh, as a defensive end or whatever, even tackle, he plays or put joy Bosa inside and have maybe Chris Rumpf, um, as your outside linebacker edge type, then maybe they want to opt that way. I don't know how often Chris Rumpf played, but I did see him out there a couple of times. I'm sure more than he usually has. I'm not quite so sure. Um, so it could just be what, you know, they're just trying to figure out different things, obviously, because you, like you said, had played about three times the previous five weeks. So uh, at the end of the day, they just need a different running mate for this guy. It's the, the picture you posted of him getting triple team. I feel like kind of just sums up everything yeah. else and it's unfortunate because if you're trying to win a numbers game there's no that's just, that's the best you can get is having one guy covered by three guys and yet i'm almost positive the result of that play was no pressure so <laughs> yeah he needs another guy behind him i like that they're moving him around try to get some interior pressure with tranquil out try to put chris rump on the field see what you can do on the outside but nothing's working it's really unfortunate because they have some guys i think and maybe some games it can work and hey maybe against the Patriots. Everything gets figured out doing the exact same thing right now. It's just not quite working.
2: Yeah. So uh,
1: Chris Rumpf played 11
2: snaps on Sunday, which uh, okay. I think was a career high. I think he had 10 against the chiefs. I think that was his second highest right now. Makes sense. Um, so to me, it, it was kind of a combination of, you know, getting Joey more on the inside, but also allowing Kyler Facker to play some more. Jen and Rosa mm-hmm. played some more. Um, then you can have a, a little bit more of a healthy rotation on, on at the edge rusher spots. 23 is a bit much for me <laughs> like yeah i i like i'm all for putting moving joey bosa around and we saw him have some really good moments there um you had a, a couple uh you had a sack against patrick mahomes in the chiefs as a four eye so mm-hmm. i'm all for moving him around but 23 times is a bit much for me when you're you know asking him to do all this much so give him 10 snaps a game on the inside i think that's totally fine um but you know they don't really have the choice right now like i think Once Justin Jones comes back, we probably see him kind of revert back to that, you know, outside linebacker edge role. But I would be in favor of that happening even more, you know, at the expense of Jerry Tillery, Christian Covington, LeVon Joseph. Like you want your best players on the field, like they were saying. Um, But yeah, they just they, they need better production from their other guys. Like we're getting two pressures, essentially a game from Uchenna and Wosu, which is fine. He's on pace for a better season than he had. Last year, last year he wasn't really a starter, so he's been okay. But Jerry Tillery is essentially on pace for the exact same season than he had last year. Linval Joseph, we were talking about before the show, is, is on pace for more sacks and hits than last year, but about the same amount of pressure. So somebody has to step up, you know, and I don't know how much validity I want to put towards trade rumors at this point. You know, Fletcher Cox is not happening. That, that dead cap hit is crazy. So, so is Grady Jarrett. So maybe there's an, an Akeem Hicks on the horizon, but I'm not really banking on a trade at this point. I think you've just got to expect your players to be better and hope that Justin Jones is able to stay healthy once he's off of injured reserve.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, to me, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Jerry Tillery came back in that game against the Patriots and he has a one and a half sack, you know, 3 extra kind of day. Like, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if that happened. I also wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Kyler Fackrell or Chenna Mosu went off. The problem is you just can't rely on that from game to game because, you know, you'll get three pressures one week and then zero the next. Right. Like they don't have a guy that they can rely on other than Joey Boza, who, you know, is there game to game. Um, And so I think we talked about um, sustainability as far as like expecting all these big plays from Justin Herbert to make up for the shitty run defense, like, you know, and how unsustainable that was with bad special teams as well. Like, I think it's also a sustainability issue here. Like, okay, well, you can get some decent pressures from, you know, those guys from week to week. Maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't, but you can't rely on that being, you know, Joey Bosa being your only consistent thing from game to game. And to me, that's a personnel issue that really gets solved in the off season. But like Steven says, I think the addition of Justin Jones, once he gets off of injured reserve will help. Um, I just don't know how much it helps considering the zeros that the other guys have been. Unfortunately,
1: I feel like, People are underselling Justin Jones at this point. Not you, Alex. I know you like Justin Jones. but oh, I, think I be never be like, well, undersell <laughs> Justin Jones. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, he's not going to come back and fix things. But I I think he's actually he going helps. to make things better. The difference is the problem becomes, can he do it for the rest of the year or is he going to be hurt? But when he comes back, I think he is going to make a difference. Because, um, listen, I, I watched him toss around Matt Filer at the scrimmage that that guy is there and he is coming back. And you saw him do really well against the Washington football team. Just pray for good health for this guy.
2: Yeah, I think that the two most important things after the bye week, in my opinion, are get Justin Jones to stay healthy and get Kenneth Murray right. Like, Kenneth Murray needs to play at the kind of level that we all expected for this team to reach its ceiling because he's just, he's, I, I like Kaiser White a lot. He's played very, very well. Um, I like Drew Tranquil a lot, but Kenneth Murray is just so much more talented and athletic that they need him to play well. And at this point, like, maybe give him some edge rusher reps. I don't know. Like if you put Joey Bosa, if you're putting him at the four, I maybe you put Kenneth Murray out there. Um, but I think if we're talking about like, what's on my wish list for this team post by it's that Kenneth Murray gets right. Like it, to me, it's mm-hmm. a lot of mental processing issues from the previous game. Maybe he was, you know, we know he got banged up in the scrimmage. We know he got banged up against Dallas. Maybe he didn't really fully trust himself, but this team needs Kenneth Murray to get right. And I think that really is kind of, number one on my list in terms of things I want to see happen after this bye week
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Are we getting into wish list stuff? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. My wish list has nothing to do with one specific player. I personally would love for the Chargers to consistently make personnel decisions that make sense to us, the fans. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and to the players, um, we just yeah. talked about one. So when the 53-man roster was announced, they could have gone with any of the baller defensive tackles that they had. And they went with Eric Banks. And it got to the point where someone, unprompted from the team, reached out to me and vented about the puzzling decisions that the team was making and how members of the defensive room were, were hurt because they went with outside other guys. And what yeah. did they get from it? They cut ah. Banks after three weeks, right? How about benching Samuel Jr. or Davis in back-to-back weeks? Watch the tackle that Samuel Jr. tried to make against the Ravens. That's a guy who has now over-adjusted and is hesitant to be his usual aggressive self because he didn't want to blow another tackle. And I get not wanting to blow another tackle, but it looked like you've taken the personality out of the player because you benched him. Then you bench Davis, who's given up 25 yards per game. That's it. The last five games facing Dak, Mahomes, Carr, Baker, Lamar. They took the guy out who covered Kelsey and Waller basically two best tight ends in football and held him to 40 yards. They took him and benched him. And again, I asked him from the team, what the rationale was for benching someone like Samuel jr. Or who's your second round pick or your starting corner and Michael Davis. And the person said, I have no idea. So what is going (laughs) on again? It's not even just like a fan thing. It's like the team. Some of them don't understand what's going on. And, And that's again, before we get into the awful special team situation where Oh, my gosh, the whole fan base knew, you know, don't hand hill the job. And now they've cut him. I don't know if anyone could have been better, but they didn't really give anyone else a chance to be better. Now he's gone. So he, Hill gets a job unopposed. Banks gets a job unopposed. Kenneth Murray technically got a job unopposed. Two of them are gone. One is LB3. Make it make sense. They've made excellent decisions so far. Obviously, drafting Rashawn Slater in the first round is a fantastic decision. Some of the decisions they've made are great. I love what they're doing in many different areas, but I want to see consistent honestly logic behind some of these moves because there are some that just don't make sense to me, to us, the fans, and even some of the players at this point. So I'd like to see them make consistent decisions throughout the rest of the year. Going with Roberts now is a great decision, at least on paper at the time. Totally makes sense. My wish list is from here on out, try to make decisions that make a little more sense because there are some that I just don't get.
3: No, I think that's really fair. And I, I like I got into this with people on Twitter who were like, actually, you should bench Michael Davis for Tavon Campbell. I'm like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? We're paying him $8 million to be CB1. And he's been playing well. And we're benching him from some guy from the CFL. Tavon Campbell's been playing great. You do not he bench does. Michael Davis for him. Um, so I got fed up with that this week. Um, but no, I mean, if we're getting into wishlist stuff, um, I, I think personnel is probably where I would go um this this goes into yeah cut tristan of sky no one bring in dustin hopkins uh but (laughs) aside from that um i think it's just about like yeah like tyler said going with a lot of the same like just personnel from game to game and like be consistent in like getting guys involved too like you know keaton allen has sort of just had games where you know he's either gonna have 10 plus receptions or it's like maybe he'll have two And, like, that's a really, like, weird spot to be in, especially when you look at last year, and it's, like, it felt like Keenan Allen basically had 10 receptions, like, every game, Um, you know, and that was a little bit Herbert being over-reliant on him at times, but, like, he just has to be part of the game plan, like, you know, as much as Mike Williams maybe has taken over that Michael Thomas role, I think he's got to still be involved, so, like, it's not just him either right like you have games where Eckler is a huge part you have games where Eckler is like non-existent sometimes um I think that there's stuff like that um and then like okay well what's the tight end room because like Cook is sort of the tight end one but some days Donald Parham looks better and sometimes he gets more snaps and sometimes Donald Parham just fades away (laughs) like so I you know I would say more consistent personnel offensive and defensive decisions uh that you know like Tyler said makes sense but also I mean decisions that would benefit the team like getting Keenan Allen more involved benefits the team because he's you know arguably the best receiver on the team right like I don't I don't know if it's that hard um and so you talk about some of the other guys on offensive defense that can contribute um, you know, like the, the ogbong bamiga Neiman splits last week that we talked about against the Ravens, like, yeah, you know, as much as Ogbong-Bamiga, like, has played decently well in the preseason, like, he was fine, like, you know, you spent a six-round pick on Nick Neiman, uh, Jaimez is a healthy scratch, and, like, what, what's happening with him, uh, there's, you know, other guys who, obviously, I mean, Roundtree was a healthy scratch last week, uh, Trey McKitty, does he exist? Is he, is, does he exist? I don't know anymore. Um, but so there's a lot of guys like that, that I think are just interesting decisions. Um, and I don't know what they're going to do with them going forward. Obviously I think they do want to let the rookies develop, but At the same time, I'm just like, well, you you drafted these guys to play. And also, you know, you have these players that you signed to fairly big contracts like Keenan Allen and like Austin Eckler. uh, And sometimes they're just not involved. Like, so I don't know. Like, I I think there has to be a more concerted focus on offense and defense of just getting the right guys involved. Um, And so I think that, you know, that plays into what Tyler said with uh, just making better decisions. But I'm also just confused on the personnel that they're using sometimes and why it's not very consistent from game to game. Because, you know, we're going to be going up against Bill Belichick and Bill Belichick will say, hey, I'm going to take this one thing away from you and I'm going to beat you. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what that one thing he's going to take away is because the Chargers haven't been consistent on it from game to game. I don't know if he's going to take away Mike Williams. I don't know if he's going to take away Keenan Allen. I don't know if he's going to take away, you know, whatever it is, right? So, like, they just don't have that, like, option that they trust more than the others offensively. Um, and on defense, it's it's a jumbled mess, partially because of the injuries, but also because some of the decisions that Brandon Staley's made, uh, like we talked about with Michael Davis and others. So, um, I don't know. I, I just want more consistency from the coaching staff and also more consistency in terms of the personnel that's being used. So, uh, also cut this kind of for Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the ending of, of your, emails, really cool.
1: your signature
2: <laughs> yeah so um I, we have reached the, sh- the part of the show where i get to talk about offensive line because this is a part of the <laughs> too like it's um, 50 minutes not bad I know, <laughs> but I, I think this is not really a slight on storm norton this is more so i think this move just kind of benefits the team as a whole and that's kicking Matt Filer to right tackle and allowing him to play a position where he excelled at in Pittsburgh not to say that he hasn't excelled he's been very very good at left guard but to me in the modern NFL you cannot have two subpar players next to each other on the same side and that's currently what we have in Michael Schofield and Storm Norton two players who I think are solid backups right like we know what michael scofield is he's he's a dependable serviceable tack uh, guard he brings some tackle flexibility storm norton is a developmental project who you know outside of the dallas game has played pretty well and it, you know as individuals they are fine backups the problem is that every team now is going to go hmm should we send pressure to the left tackle who's a rookie but probably an elite left tackle Or should we send pressure to the opposite side where we have a career backup and an XFL player? Hmm. Tough decision. So to me, I think you kick Matt Feiler to the right side, allow him and Michael Schofield to hold down that side. You put in Brandon Hymas, you drafted him. I think yet we saw him play very, very well in the preseason. You know, uh, I'm not the only person who thinks that he played well, you know, Dan Jeremiah, um, Brian Baldinger, all these guys, all these offensive you know, line gurus have said that he played really well. And while I understand, like, you don't want to put two rookies next to each other, Rashawn Slater's not your typical rookie. Like, he, I truly believe he is an elite left tackle in the game right now. So you put Hymas next to Slater and Corey Lindsley, one of the best centers in the league, and I think that really elevates the ceiling of the offensive line. You get rid of having a poor, poor right side and a very good left side and just get the best five out there. And I think that really helps the team as a whole where they were not able to run the ball against Baltimore despite having a good left side. They haven't really been able to run the ball consistently um, outside of the, the the Chiefs and the Raiders game, I thought have been kind of a mixed bag. So to me, you make this change, and I think it, it solves a lot of the issues with the offensive line because you have Lindsley Filer and, Sl- and Slater playing really, really well and the right side without abuji is kind of a mess. So kick Matt Feiler to the right tackle. And I think that kind of solves some issues and gets a higher ceiling player in Hymas on the field, as opposed to uh, the current situation.
1: Oh, that makes so much sense, but we're going to inactivate Brendan Hymas in favor of Senio <laughs> yeah. like That's part of the decisions. Like, What are you doing? To a certain extent, I get Michael Schofield jumping in there, I guess, but now we're inactivating him over a guy who just joined the team who hasn't, like, isn't familiar with the team, sort of right. with the run scheme and with the coaches, I believe. But, like, I, it's, it's puzzling. I, I love your idea. I'm sure it would work.
3: It's not, they're not getting a chance. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I would just like to say when it comes to offensive line, because this reminds me of obviously Brian Balaga, uh, and I'm going to make a separate point, but, Uh, Can we be more open about injuries? Uh, And this was a problem under Anthony Lynn. And if we're going to do resolutions going forward, I think that that needs to happen. Um, You know, I'm not trying to get into Dak Prescott HIPAA violation territory. Um, (laughs) You know, when it comes to some of these players. (laughs) <laughs> but Brian Balaga was just handled so weird where it was like, okay, yeah. he'll be out a week and now he's on IR. And it's like, well, we didn't tell you guys, but he underwent a surgical procedure. I don't know how many surgical procedures he's underwent. It might have been 23 at this point. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and so Justin Jones, similar story, right? I mean, he sort of is on the team uh, and then, you know, gets put on IR, I think, after the Dallas game when he didn't play or might have been after that week. I don't really remember the timeline at this point. Um, But yeah, he wasn't instantly put on IR either. Um, And then now he's been on IR for what they told us was cramps. Uh, And I don't think that it was cramps because I think he would have been back if it was cramps. Um, And so there, there's been a lot of stuff like that um, in terms of, and, and health is always changing. So that's not the easiest thing for the coaching staff to like tell us about uh, at least openly to the media, but it's just been very weird that Brandon Staley has been like, "Hey, I'm going to be unfiltered, no bullshit, 100 of the time," uh, and, and most of the time he is. But when it comes to uh, injuries, like I think that's something that needs to be tightened up because, like, we we sort of have no idea what questionable on a Friday means. Questionable on a Friday can mean that guy is a lock to play, or it means he's going on uh, IR next week. <laughs> like, yeah. so that that's that's a concerning thing for me going forward is uh, just more openness about injuries. We talked about personnel decisions earlier, so I'm not going to go too far into that, but that was something that crossed my mind when we talked about Brian Balaga um, and, you know, something that would avert, you know, having to put Filer at right tackles, Brian Balaga coming back. Don't know if he's ever coming back. <laughs> so yeah, that just goes back to the whole openness point.
1: Yeah. I'm kind of hoping because the bye week will not be passed, and they don't have a sort of out for some of these injuries where it's like, okay, we'll just put him down on, on, on IR now and then will turn out. Put the bot. him down. I like, mean, that's a little <laughs> drastic. Well, there's some players. But uh is going to be put down. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Jinx. I, I mean, me Campbell
2: basically did that for him. My gosh. Yes.
1: No, I've, I've never seen that happen before. Um, me neither. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm hoping moving forward because there's no buy for them to be like, well, we can just kind of shuffle our roster and get things yeah. hidden away, not put down until tomorrow, but no, or until next week. But now it's like no buy week. You know, you're right there, Alex.
3: Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, guys. Any other uh, buy week resolutions uh, before we wrap the show up with some of our league picks for this week?
1: Really, a resolution? I just I'd like to see them get a true receiving back because Kelly, Rag Jackson, and Roundtree have lined up out wider in the slot five times all year, and they, they don't have anything else after Eckler. Eckler goes down. I think it's worse than Keenan Allen going down because it sucks behind him.
2: Yeah, that's a uh, that's a good no one. But...
3: Real resolutions? I had. I feel like we've talked about everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, just more consistency. And I mean, everybody talks about New Year's resolutions every year. Like it's health. Like, just getting everybody back. Um, You know, I'd like to see Brian Balaga come back. The linebackers are decimated right now until they get Kenneth Murray and Tranquil back. So that's huge. Justin Jones, same thing. Uh, So, I mean, just getting guys back healthy will, I think, help the team a lot. And, you know, like, we talked about special teams. One of the reasons they're struggling on special teams right now is that, hey, Drew Tranquil's not there. Right? Like, so, and he's one of the big influences on special teams um so you know to me all around something that would help the team whether that's offense defense or special teams is just getting guys back healthy so uh, i really hope that they do get uh guys like belaga jones and the linebackers uh back at some point yeah you know the defense has been much maligned but we've only
2: seen one half of healthy defense so um getting these players back is huge so um, let's, uh, let's wrap up the today's show with our league wide picks, Alex, uh, why don't you update our listeners on the current standings, uh, after week six?
3: Yeah. So, uh, me and Tyler are tied at 14 and four after we both decided to go three and O we had different avenues of getting there. Uh, cause Tyler took all the easy games and I had to go on with my <laughs> urban <laughs> Pittsburgh, uh, <defense laughs> parlay. You know, so that was that was difficult last week, but I, I grinded it out uh, and I got two three and oh, uh, so that takes us to 14 and four. Steven is eight and 10 after uh, Gino yes. Smith fumbled the ball. Um, wow. so he, he was so close know, to so getting well. back He's to 500. But, so you know, I went head to head and picked the Steelers, which <laughs> killed me to do anyway, because I fucking hate that team. Um, but yeah, so me and Tyler are tied at the top of the table. Uh, and yeah, let's get it fixed this week. Yeah,
2: so I get to go first this week. I have learned my lesson, and I will take some of the gimme's. Um, I'm not going to take all the gimme's, of course, because you know I, I like to have somewhat of a challenge. But uh, I'm going to take the Cardinals over the Texans. The Cardinals are currently favored by 17 and a half points. Um, <laughs> I won't because... take all the
1: gimme's, but Cardinals over Texans. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm, only taking,
2: I'm only taking the one gimme. Okay, I'm only taking the okay. one. Gimmie. Um, so Cardinals over Texans, I think, um, you know, for another game that I'm going to take, um, I'm going to pick the, I uh, don't, I just said no game. It's okay. I'm going to take the Colts over the 49ers as my upset pick. I know I'm okay. kind of jumping around uh, the Niners getting four points against the Colts kind of seems like a lot to me. So I'm going to take them. Uh, and then I will take the Baltimore Ravens over the Cincinnati Bengals. Ravens keep rolling. I just don't really trust the Bengals in a physical spot in this game where they're going to get you know punched in the mouth, and I think Lamar is going to do uh, similar damage that he did to our defense to the Bengals' defense. So I'm going to have the Cardinals over the Texans, Ravens over the Bengals, and then my upset pick is Colts over the Niners.
3: Have fun riding with Carson Wentz this week. It's always a fun (laughs) ride. Um, Okay, well, I'm going to take the gimmies that were left on the table. Uh, I will take the Packers over the Washington football team. Uh, Feels like a pretty easy one since that team's imploding. Uh, And I will take the Rams over the Lions and Stafford versus Goff. Uh, That will be a fun watch. Um, Upsets this week are... <clears throat> really tough. It's, I don't yeah, yeah it's not a, not a great week for upsets. Although nothing nearly as bad as having to ride with Urban Meyer in a foreign country. Um <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, I'll do it. Homer pick Eagles over Raiders. Uh I think that they will get that one done. Uh be fantastic. Raiders are still in chaos after Gruden mania. And uh, I mean, their defense hasn't really been playing that well anyway. So I'll take the chance that Nick Sirianni stops being brain dead and starts using Jalen hurts the right way. Uh, so eh, I'll take the chance. Uh, so yeah, just to wrap up my picks, I will take the Packers. I will take the Rams and I will take the Eagles as my upset for the Raiders.
1: Nice. Thank you for taking the Eagles pick off the table for me so I don't make that mistake (laughs) again. Uh, I'm going to go with the Bucks over the Bears as a, you know, obviously head to head. I will take the Patriots over the Jets, which is and for my upset, I will go with Titans over the Chiefs for Derek Henry, who will run for 487 yards (laughs) against the Chargers in the divisional round but uh you know hopefully this game they can beat the chiefs who are kind of a mess except for quarterback
2: yeah you know you talk about a defense that needs to make some changes man that's that's you know could be much worse um but derrick henry what what a freaking world people talking about derrick henry as the mvp and i'm like that's fun but he's not a quarterback like we all know where this is going to be going towards Um, (laughs) but he's insane right now yeah absolutely all right guys uh Alex, final thoughts before we head out today.
3: Uh, final thoughts. Um, no, I mean, I hope everybody has a fun weekend of uh, football. You know, even though the Chargers aren't playing, there's some other games on TV. So you can have fun there. And, uh, you know, maybe one week away from the Chargers is a good thing. You know, you get to decrease your blood pressure a little bit. You you, you get to sort of uh, just relax and uh, then come back and play Bill Belichick, which is always stress-free. Um, so that's, you know, just reboot and recharge this week uh, as we head into the second half of the season, which will hopefully be exciting. Uh, so that's my final thought for today.
1: My final thought is thank goodness the Broncos started 3-0 and because this 0-4 and run that they're about to go on <laughs> after this game is just glorious. They have 76 total yards in the first half against the Browns. The Browns are currently fielding, I'm pretty sure, every single second stringer. That they had at this point on offense or defense. Yet the Broncos have zero points and 76 yards in the first half. So go for it. Case Keenum, go beat the Broncos. By the time you listen to this, hopefully the Broncos will be three and four and everything will be in chaos in Denver.
2: (laughs) I was talking this week of the Broncos trading for Tua as the dolphins are trying to trade for Deshaun Watson. I'm like, please go do that. That'd be comical. <laughs> um, as much as I want Tua to succeed, that would be hilarious to see mm-hmm. Herbert versus Tua twice a year. It'd be hilarious, but um, oh yeah, it's going to be a fun week. You know, the uh, the bye week is, is always a double-edged sword because I don't know what to do with myself on Sunday, but uh, just hang out and relax and uh, come back for uh, the Patriots game. I'll be there, so can't wait for that one, but yeah, it's gonna be a good weekend off. Uh my wife and I have both been a little sick, so um mm. gonna be good to just kind of chill and, and not worry about uh the stressful chargers game. So yeah. As always, make sure and leave us a rating or review. Uh check out our film breakdowns that I just did on uh Justin Herbert and the Ravens. Uh there will be an interview posting after this as well. So give that. A uh, a look see, and that will do it for us today, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com,
0: or just stop by. Granger.